0: I guess this is our second episode, 12th episode?
1: Uh, 12.
0: 12, 12th episode of Guest Beer Podcast. Welcome. Did I get the name right? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Lucas, why don't you tell us where we're at? We're at
1: Culmination Brewing tonight. Um, It is a beautifully rainy day in Portland, Oregon, Um, just on the east side of the river around 22nd and Sandy. And they have a parking lot, which is a amazingly quirky thing for a inner Portland brewery. I didn't even realize that. Is that their parking lot? I don't know. I don't know, but I parked in it, so <laughs> Oh
0: okay. Yeah, kudos. <laughs> well that that's cool. Actually this is kind of a neat little um area that's I, I guess it used to be industrial, right? Because there's like buildings, there's like a bottling company like next door. If um, there's a bottling company next door, I think it still counts as industrial. Maybe, but it also has like all these old-timey apartment buildings. I, so I don't, it's, it's kind of a neat little neighborhood. But uh, Culmination Brewing is, I believe they classify themselves as being like sustainable and focused on, on those types of things, uh, which is great because you know, this is Portland, we're all about that. Um, I've been meaning to actually check out this place for a while. There's a tea shop down the way that my significant other likes. So I've, every time we go to the tea shop, I'm like, but I want to go to the brewery. It's always Unless, a no. Yeah. Okay. So what are we going to start with here? Uh, so we
1: have a uh, taster lineup that we tried to stay fairly off the IPAs for our own sanity. A little bit different. Um, we have got a... Let's
0: see, the first one is... is Keep no it Loki. Oh, to keep it low, so this is a Norwegian farmhouse ale. So I was really curious about this. Um, I looked up, like, I was like, oh, what, what's a Norwegian farmhouse ale like? And basically, it's just a malt beer, which is kind of weird because all beer has malt in it. And so, uh, but apparently, back in the day, in Norway, not all beer had malt. Don't even ask, it probably tasted horrible. <laughs>
1: But and Dogfish at Head has made an excellent tribute to that.
0: <laughs> uh, All right.
1: So so we're going to give, uh, this is Keep It Low Key. Looks like it's a collaboration with Laura Wood Brewing, which is another awesome brewery in town. Yep. And, uh,
0: and a little low on the alcohol level oh. for Portland, so it's only 5.6%. Uh, I'm not sure seeing... So what
1: do you think? I don't feel like I tasted anything. Mm.
0: To me, it tastes like a, Heis- a hazy IPA a without, without the hops. So, so if you took a hazy IPA and, and made it unhoppy, because it, it, it's kind of a little sweet. Um,
1: um, that is super subtle. I taste like I, 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 barely feel like I'm tasting that. It, it, it
0: reminds me a bit of a Coors,
1: but. But without, like, the bitter
0: pissiness. Yeah, get without it. the urine. Yeah. So, it's a... Actually, I kind of like it, but it's... I feel like it's a summer beer. It's something I could drink... I would
1: throw it down to get drunk. Um, it's not something I would drink to enjoy. Um, but, like, it, it doesn't... There's nothing wrong with it, but
0: nothing's calling out to me. It's a pretty light beer. Um, it's okay. I Actually, I kind of like it. I... I don't know. Could it work with like a lime or something? Like, like it's that it's. I honestly feel like a lime. I feel like a lime
1: would overpower that one. It's a good point. Okay. It's a good point. Number two is a four point two percent wataru goes. This is a uh, peach and mango goes, and I always like a goes. Goes are interesting. They um, they they have a terrible head. They smell terrible, Um, but. <laughs>
0: I always think that they taste delightful, so let's, let's give it a shot. They do tend to smell pretty terrible, but um, what I find most interesting about it is being 4.2%. When's the last time you saw something brewed in Portland at 4.2%? That's true. It's good for washing your hands in. I mean, you could serve this in Utah. <laughs> oh, I like it. What? What do you think of it? Again, okay, like it's it's good. Um,
1: it's it's more subtle than I would expect. I don't know. Maybe I'm like maybe I'm over. Maybe I'm looking for something more. Punch me in the face, but like, these two beers
0: have been like very um very easy drinking. Yeah, that that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, I think for the most part, breweries on the West Coast, generally speaking, have been going for very much more aggressive. Um, Drinks and and these both have been very subtle. Um, again, I. It feels like a summer drink to me. Yeah, I
1: definitely uh I get more of the peach than the mango. I don't really get the mango.
0: Cool, it definitely has the sour funky, goes thing going on. The goes it goes all the way. It doesn't really smell have much of a smell to it. Well, what it does have is not. Super appetizing but,
1: all right, cool.
0: Okay, wow. that. We're already through through two. You know the difference between our usual podcast and this one is we actually only have tasters, whereas usually we had to finish a whole pint before moving on. Well, the night's young. This is this is going to be the most sober podcast we've ever done. So, um, I think we want to probably skip the thirteen for now. And probably go to the eleven. So I didn't know we actually got the thirteen. So
1: alright, cool. Eleven. Uh no. I think we should skip that as well.
0: Okay, so we're gonna go to the two. We got the two?
1: Okay. No, um, we got the
0: twelve. It's the twelve. <laughs> alright. So so uh, this is a two on this side. It, it it's a twelve on this side. I couldn't see the one. Okay. So
1: So we're about to try a beer that is either it's either an Imperial
0: Black IPA. That or is not Peshe. It's a peshe. <laughs> is that how you pronounce that? Uh well, I, don't, I, it's, I I don't it's, think I've ever had this before. Alright, let's give it a go. That's a pesci. Okay. <laughs> so, so Oh, and our food just up arrived. Up there? Um, yes, yeah, you. yeah, There are go. Thank you. Um. So a pêche. Wow, that's sour. I don't. I don't know what to. What to really say about it. Um. What do you think? Good. Bad.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna have to have another taste. We can't really rely on our deep knowledge of these beers right now, but this is a. I quite like it. It's it's Now, this is a 13-ounce pour. You don't get a full pint
0: of this, which makes sense. It's a bit on the heavy side. It's actually 7%, too. It's seven, Yeah, which is surprising. It doesn't taste like 7%. It doesn't really have an alcohol taste to it, but to me, it reminds me of pickles. In a good or a bad way? <laughs> bad. All right. Well, so, so, this is a little... I, I'm actually surprised I'm saying this is a little too sour for me. <laughs> it's like... Because it, it's tasting like like sauerkraut. Um, so we have some food, also, and it's looking pretty good.
1: Alright. Um, next up. So we're gonna let the, uh, the pesci marinate for a bit. Um, get his pickle juice thing going. Man, is it tastes like pickles. Yeah. It's alcoholic pickle juice. And I, I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> but, um, on Seriously, I'm having a pickle right now. It tastes the exact same. This is a Fodor um, Aged?
1: 13? It's a Oregon Marionberry uh, Cassis yeah. cider. Fodor
0: Aged. All right. Yeah, I was pretty excited about this 6%. one. 6%. Let's give it a shot. <sighs> ah, interesting. It's never good, is it? Oh, never
1: Hmm. What's interesting about it, it's a berry cider, it tastes like berry cider, but then you hit the end and it kind of like dries out. I think it's a cassis, because I don't know what else it is, but it kind of just like opens at the end there.
0: And I'm... I feel like I'm still tasting the Peche. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a berry thing at the front. Oh, you can the sour stuff at the back. Um, I like it, but I'm—this is also a six percenter, which is pretty
1: pretty good for a cider.
0: Um, I like it, but I'm kind of biased towards Marionberry, so. see Oregon National cider, pretty much. Alright. Okay, and what's our last one here? Um,
1: the, the doozy we have is a uh, C&T Gin Botanical Double IPA. Now this, is, again, is a 13 ounce pour, so you're not gonna get a full pint of this. It's gonna kick you in the pants at 8.5%.
0: Oh, if you order two, you get full pint, but... <laughs> Shall you start? Okay. I'm looking forward to this one. Oh, that's quite nice.
1: It, I like the, uh, it, it's definitely got like a very like a juniper head to it. Yeah, it
0: does. And I usually don't like juniper, but this, I think this balances quite well. Yeah, wow. That was great. I want to throw some tonic in there and really get to town. So imagine kind of having like a gin and tonic that has some hops in it. Mm-hmm. i will do it. It's pretty much that. Um, I'm really impressed. Yeah, this is an excellent. Um, all right, cool. Let's see a pint of that.
1: So let's um, let's do the numbers. Um, I'm gonna say I'm going with the uh, this
0: gin double IPA for uh, number one here. Well, I think we should go the other other way. So what would, right. what, what's your least favorite among, among these these five? Um, I would say
1: it's really tricky where you have to do the cross reference of the number versus the uh, display (laughs) here. But there isn't any that I just straight up didn't like. I would say number five which is the uh, Keep It Loki Norwegian Farmhouse.
0: Drinking that doesn't feel like I'm drinking anything. So that's not my least favorite, but um, it is by far the, like, lightest, it's the closest to water that, that you have. I, I think that that would still make an excellent summer drink, end of the day type thing. It's light, it's fine, it would go with any food that, that you want, but but I, I completely get, get where you're coming from. For me, I really do think it's the uh, Peche, it tastes too much like pickle. Like and this, but this is a so we we've talked about this many times, but
1: in terms of the judgment here, we're, we have to classify this judgment in terms of individual preference and um, accuracy of the category. Now, this may be a quintessential pete.
0: Yes, but well, as far as I know, for you personally, it's. It's yeah, too pickle. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing to remember about any of our recommendations is it's very... Uh, all all drinks, all beer, all liquor. Like, it's, it's very much up to the individual. And we're going to try to give both our view and kind of tell you what it tastes like. If if this sounds like, like something that would interest you, kind of a, a soury, fermented drink, I think this is a good one to try. And all of these are worth trying. Like, there is nothing I would tell yeah. somebody not to get. Agreed. Um, they're all... Well we're trying and if you're you like these types of, of drinks, like this is probably pretty good. This the one thing that I think the Peche really has going for it out of possibly all of them is it is just flavorful. It is much more giving you like a good flavor than than anything else that, that we tried tonight. Yeah. Um so what do you put next on your your list?
1: Um, and hard. I, I'm, I'm honestly not really blown away by the uh, the Marionberry. Like mm. it's good, um, mm-hmm. it's it's fine. It's I w- I would drink it. I d- okay, I, I guess like maybe now's a good time to say actually like, in terms of flights, in terms of breweries, maybe we just nailed it because there's twenty taps up there and we huh? only ordered five of them. But again, I would drink any of these. Yep. Um, yep. It's just that the Marionberry, like it's it's a Marionberry cider. Doesn't I don't really have anything else to say about that.
0: If you like Marionberry ciders, um, I think it's a great one. Actually, what I find really good about it is that that the ending notes are sour in a way that I've only experienced actually eating like Marionberries and blackberries that I've never seen replicated in a drink. <laughs> like there, there's a flavor in there that is really subtle and really hard to get for a Marionberry cider. Um, So it just it gets the sourness of a of, of, of blackberry kind of like right. Um, so I think it's actually more to the, the higher end of what I like. I think that's probably my second favorite here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is something like if you like marion berries, check this one out. Like if you like berry cider type stuff, check this one out. Um, if that's not your thing, then yeah, you're probably not going to go to <laughs> be impressed by it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It sounds like we have a very different ranking for this. Uh, yeah, I think so. Set. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, what's your number two? Sorry, what? So, your so, number.
0: W- so my number two would be the Marionberry. Um, the the number three, so kind of the, the middle of the pack here. Um, I would go with the uh, what was this? this is the um, Peach and Mango Ghost? Um, the Wataro. Um, so I think I think this is actually quite good. Um, I'd like a little more flavor. Mm-hmm. A little more peach mango going on. Um, alright, yeah, I... I
1: man, I, I guess just from Process of Elimination, I would say number two for my goes then. Okay. And number three is the the Peche. Like, the Peche is like a peach sour, like a Belgian peach sour, and that kind of nails that in that category, um, pretty much any beer that has Belgian in the name is not something I'm going to order <laughs> super often. I can appreciate it for what it is, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's solid. I, it's uh, it's almost like watering down, because it's a bit intense, for uh, a nice Porsche summer drink. And so I guess we come to the uh, grand finale, which is this like uh,
0: gin botanical double IPA, which is aptly named. Yeah, quite I, delightful. I'm I'm incredibly impressed by this one, uh, the CNT Gin Botanical Double IPA. It, I don't think I've ever had anything quite like it. to Tell you the truth, um, I don't particularly like gin, and I actually like this. So I don't know whether, what that says. Like like, if you like gin, are you going to like I, this? You like gin, so, don't you? So, Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do actually, and and I can say that I like this. And that's that's one of those tricks where.
1: I'm always a bit confused about like when I hear a review of someone who says like, oh yeah, I actually really like this gin beer and I don't like gin, then it makes me really question whether or not it's actually a good gin beer. Yeah. But yeah. in this case I can say that it is definitively a good gin beer.
0: Yeah, it's um I, I expect it's just aged in gin barrels. <laughs> it must be doing something more than that. And this I is mean, where during um, the second boil they throw in some juniper or something? If the uh, if somebody who knows somebody here is like listening to this podcast right now, get us in touch with like the brewmaster, <laughs> and, and maybe we'll someday in the future we might actually interview people at these places. That might be a good way to absolutely. Yeah, someday we'll do that. Um. Yeah. So I would say if you're if you're in Portland and you get to culmination brewing, one thing I I highly want to recommend actually this is a really neat spot like I would if you're in Portland and you're looking for a brewery I I don't think you can do a whole lot better <laughs> like, like this is it has the um, the classic artisanal light bulbs of Portland so <laughs> so they have that going for them but it's, it's kind of a neat spot Um the menus a little small but um, so far I've enjoyed the food I got the hot Korean what it was called the Korean red hot sausage hoagie I like it it's good Flavorful, and the, uh, general cheeseburger for me. Yeah. So uh,
1: we're gonna give it a pause and uh, eat and come back to
0: you guys. And we're back. So Lucas just bought something here that I didn't even know bars could do.
1: They uh, packed that shit up and roll you a lovely little cylinder of beer. This is a Crowler?
0: Crowler is what she said, I think. Crowler. Alright, cool. So, a Crowler. It's 32 ounces of anything they have on tap. Pretty much.
1: In an uh, Australian for beer style can.
0: It, it looks like a Foster's, yeah. It is it is huge. I didn't know you could do that. I might be mildly convinced that all of Portland's training to alcoholics now. But, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I guess if you forget your growler, it's the way to go. It's true, yeah,
1: as I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. So this is this is quite lovely, actually. I've, I've seen a couple other places do this as well. Um, the the place that has been in the back of my mind that we eventually need to do with the podcast that is probably not high on the list is uh, McMinnimans.
0: Yeah, we should go and, to McMinnemans. I haven't actually really checked out McMinimins in a long time. Like, I think the yeah, last time we a... were at McMinnemans is when we saw Star Wars. Mm, yeah, I don't think I've been to McMinnimans in ages. Before them,
1: and I mean that's like a—they just celebrated what, like a thirtieth anniversary for their Hammerhead IPA. Like they—they've wow. been in the yeah. Oregon beer scene for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of—it's interesting. All the kind of old school Oregon beer scene, them, uh, Bridgeport, Widmere. Oh, I met—I met somebody who um, was working at Garden Bar of all places. Uh, she was from Germany, and she was complaining about the lack of Hefeweizens here. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, that should have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> like, there was yeah. a lot more. Yeah, we're, um, that said, I don't know. If,
1: I'm, I'm, I haven't read too many perspectives on, like, on authentic German perspective on the Wimmer Hefeweizen. I have no idea. Which I personally find is better than the Hefeweizen's.
0: You know. More I, pale-y. I, I guess. Oh, well, actually, she complained about how pale all the beers were here. Yeah. That, that <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um. My brief experience with German beer was was not terribly positive, quite honestly. It was I was I was like, oh, Germany, good good beer, and it's like, oh, mm, uh, it's very not a, narrow. It's not a bad beer. If if
1: if that narrow window that is German beer like happens to cross your threshold of like what you enjoy, then awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, it's just small odds. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, we grabbed a couple more beers. Now we actually have um. Not pints. I don't even know what you call these. Half pint. Teardrops. Teardrops. Um, high alcohol level things. So what did you get there, Lucas?
1: So this is the No More Mr. Rice Guy. Um, back to the word of hazies. This is a hazy IPA.
0: Hazy IPAs. They're really becoming kind a of quite the popular thing. Basically it looks like orange juice.
1: I actually taste the rice.
0: I mean, so I would classify hazy IPAs as basically being, like, sweet IPAs. (laughs) Like, to me, they're just kind of like an IPA that's kind of like added sugar or something. I don't know.
1: Interesting. Um, I I feel like this one is on the sweeter end, which I think is a rice, because rice is kind of sweet. Um, Again, that's pure speculation for the name No to Rice Guy. They don't really have tasty notes here, so I have no idea what went into this. It could have been goats. I... It's, it's, it's a little bit sweet. Um, I think it's, it's quite pleasant. It's very smooth.
0: It's very pleasant. I usually would like my IPAs to be a little more aggressive on the hop. Um, so so this one's, like most of the menu here, is, is a little more subtle. Uh, it's still really good.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I grabbed a um, hopped cider. So it's a Oregon mead and cider dry hop cider. Um, as we, as long-time listeners, all three of you, know, um, I'm big into ciders, and I like the dry hop stuff, because it kind of makes it a little less sweet, basically, kind of dries it out. And I quite like this one, give it a shot. That's
1: yeah.
0: this is an Oregon meat and cider. Um,
1: so that's They're actually-
0: like a, the other side of the parking lot, actually. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So it's... But but it is a cider, right? So so it's not actually a meat, it's just the uh,
0: the I think that that is just a drive off that cider. Means brewery for a cider. Yeah, yeah, I believe that that's just the I want to say the Oregon meat and cider is just the company, right? So, oh
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. Yeah. So so Lucas, what do you want to talk about today? Now that we finished all of our beer, um, long-time listeners know that we tend to ramble more and talk more during our tastings but we only had little, little tiny five ounce cups this time.
1: Yeah, and we're not
0: yet drunk enough to go into the things that really bother us so, on a service level. I'm getting there.
1: I'm getting there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What do you think about um,
0: cardboard toys for $80 a pop? Okay, so, what Lucas is alluding to is uh, Nintendo put out a new thing called Labo. Labo? Something Uh, like that.
1: Labo, yes. Labo. Um, As of, uh, six hours ago now. So uh, when Nintendo's press conference went out for their cardboard accessories to the Nintendo Switch.
0: So it's basically the weird cardboard things. Like they they showed this one thing where you can put the Switch into a box that has keys and it turns into basically a piano type thing. And there's another one with like a fishing pole. And 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 you can talk about the coolest one, the one that you're probably gonna buy. <laughs> yeah, the the uh robot um
1: a series of peripherals that you can wear to become a living robot from the backpack to the headgear using the ir
0: receiver transmitter etc it. it was really clear, unclear on how all this all works yeah. but um so send me a link to this we'll have a link in the show notes if we make show notes we'll try so, to make show notes but, so I have to say
1: like, with the success of Google Cardboard by success I mean the people who say that's cool and then it dies um, I'm intrigued Nintendo makes really weird shit that's all I really have to say
0: no I love I, it I, I think it's brilliant absolutely brilliant so I was actually at Google I.O. when they introduced Cardboard uh, so I got I have, I have my Google Cardboard at home um, I think it, thought it was a really cool, cool product that, that kind of didn't go anywhere for a few reasons but what Nintendo creates is like fun experiences and I totally if I had a kid, I'd be buying it's like Legos, I'd buy that for them right now. We would build it together, we'd have some fun. Are you gonna buy it? I don't have a switch, so I'm not gonna buy it. Are you gonna buy it for the switch? Are you gonna get the switch for it? No, no. So it's not
1: quite at that level. This is a quirky no. thing that
0: is nice if you happen if to I, have a Switch. No, if I had a Switch, I would totally buy it. If I had kids, I would think about getting the Switch and this.
1: Yeah.
0: This would uh, convince me that, okay, maybe the Switch is more than just a waste of time. Like, we get to build something together. They get to see how it works. And and so it kind of reminds me of the whole maker movement. Like, so you get this piece of cardboard, and you get to build a piano out of it. Like That's pretty cool. And it's actually... Um, I think we might have talked about this on a previous podcast, but it reminds me of kind of making video games into something that's not just this controller that that you sit down and you play a game, but into something you help create at the same time. And So um, I had the Ardu Boy, that little open source Game Boy thing, and what was really cool about it actually was the fact that it wasn't just a video game console, it was actually there to help you like make games, and you could actually sit down and look at the the programming of how a game gets made. And I thought that, you know, I'm I'm way I don't care about like video game consoles anymore. Like I don't, it's it's not an experience I, I really care about because I want to be more involved in that. Like I don't want to be just kind of like a passive participant anymore. I want something more interactive, which mm-hmm. I think is actually one reason why things like um YouTube and social media have been kind of like eating away at the time people put into gaming is because it it's an interactive thing where you help create it you help be a part of it and it's not something where you're just kind of sitting back experiencing something right um, yeah. um, so so I, I I'm I'm really impressed I think it's really I, I like what Nintendo's doing I think that's really great I, I will be interested to see how it how it's received yeah me too um,
1: I, I I understand, like, I get the sentiment, I would agree with it. I don't know if this is the, I don't know if this is the exemplar of that, like, experience, because in the end, you have a series of black box components that you're kind of shoving into the intricately folded cardboard that makes up the entire thing. Yeah. Like, the blaster, you, you build a blaster out of, like, a series of origami folds to a hunk of cardboard, and then at the end, you just kind of, like, shove in the joy con so I'm not sure that like fully capture it fully captures like the.
0: But that's that's how any of these interactive like, interactive portion of it. If, if you're making something out of an Arduino, you still have the Arduino that's a black box that you're shoving in. I think the difference with the Arduino is you
1: have to remember which GPIO pit is which, or you're gonna fry the board by like plugging the power into like.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, sort of. Those are well labeled now, so it's it's not that that big of a deal. There's always going to be kind of a black box component, even when you're making games nowadays. Like, if you're using something like Unity or Unreal, like, you are basically have an engine making black box parts that you're throwing in. Right. Like, you're not hard-coding it to, to the Silicon anymore. And maybe that's a yeah. problem. Maybe we should be doing that. Um, I don't think anyone argues that anymore, but...
1: I, I mean, I think that goes back to, like, kind of a longer <laughs> conversation of the age-old debate about, like, our grandfathers who anything that they interacted with on in the day-to-day, they knew how to fix or semi-repair well enough to survive. Well, and I, mean, I don't know sort of any ha- of that.
0: I don't think I, our grandfathers could smelt iron. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, think they knew the basic theory
1: behind it. I, I, I I'm, I'm sure, sure shit couldn't build a CPU. Uh,
0: you know, I, I'm a little bit farther along than you because I actually went to the um, the Intel Museum that's on their campus in um, Santa... wherever they are in the, the Bay Area. Santa Clara, yeah, I think. Um, uh, which what's really funny about their headquarters there is it is so much smaller than their their stuff out in Hillsborough. <laughs> it is like this kind of nondescript office building, and it basically just houses their executives and like the finance team. Um, but they have a little museum that goes over how processors are built and kind of how it works. Um, so I kind I kind of get like like we were t- talking about like a Z eighty. Like, like, I understand the theory behind, like, how you get there. Well, even but... just
1: reading, like, the, uh, the recent, like, meltdown Spectre, like, bug reports on, like, exactly, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. speculative exe- execution, like, the way that, like, modern processors work on
0: this. And then you have things like... Oh, I have no idea how that actually works in practice. Like, speculative ec- execution, I'm just like, I don't know what...
1: Well, any that... in, in article that explains it basically gets to a point where it says... And the computer's really smart, so it figures out the path to take.
0: And yeah, it's like and magic. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: But but then you have on the flip side of that you have things like the uh, the Raspberry Pi like foundation po- published blog oh, post that's yeah, like I love why that. we're not susceptible <laughs> to meltdown. And it's like, yeah, because of um. What, first of all, like preface fixing that with like an, a fairly good explanation of like how the bug happens and what yeah it works through. And then at the end it's like a little footnote of like, well, oh, uh, but uh, because our processes are not very fast.
0: Yep, they, they use old enough processors that it's like, oh, we don't do that. Yeah. We don't do speculative execution. It's like the
1: Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. I actually was listening to uh, Sir Techery, actually, was talking about this exact thing going over it. Uh, excellent podcast. Highly recommended. Check it out in the show notes if you bothered to write any. Um, and, and they went over... Kind of the increasing levels of abstraction that we're having yeah. in in computing, which is overall a good thing. I mean, you you mostly write in Ruby on Rails, right? Or you, you've done a lot of Ruby. I've done a lot of like Ruby, and, and that's like oh. crazy abstracted from even C <laughs> Like, like it's you right. are you are nowhere near writing on, on the metal, and I, I'm writing an R, which is just kind of like. Like in the same same realm of being like It's abstractions upon abstractions yeah yeah, yeah. thank god I don't have to do memory management yeah. I couldn't do that um, but but it's kind of like that's where these these problems creep in and actually today I was helping somebody online with a, a HomeKit problem they are having and I was thinking about HomeKit and these abstractions and it's like wow even our houses are now getting like abstracted away from like any sort of understanding it's like oh why did my light just turn on I don't know. There's like three levels of middleware that I, some somewhere in there is said to turn it on. Right. Who knows? So. Which, which I think is the interesting thing is like the way that I would have
1: assumed that that would go if I watched something like Black Mirror or not not something something just super dystopian, but like a basic futurist show that involves something like a smart house. I don't think of it as manifesting in the way that our world's manifesting. I think of it as something like. The house is smart, and the house makes decisions. There, there's some AI, there's some artificial intelligence within the house itself. But what it ends up being is us exposing ports and just having everything shove each other into a behavior. And it's a bit different between like creating like more distributed networked reality than it is to inject intelligence into every aspect of that reality.
0: I think, I think you're kind of hitting on some issues around AI where like the concept of a generalized ai is so is just as far away today as it's ever been basically but we've been able to figure out these like little tiny domains for ai and so that's what we've been able to like shove into our houses or this little tiny domain where it kind of is smart in this like very very tiny way and because we don't even understand how it's doing that like like you end up with like 30 ai's in your house that do this little tiny thing that we don't understand and then your house doesn't work like right. Um I just want
1: Siri and Google to work together to solve my problems, but that 's not going to happen
0: it 's never going to happen, nor do i i don 't know like I listen to several podcasts where people rave about the Amazon echo. Do you have one of those i don't i I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want
1: to play the Paranoia card, but I'm still not willing to put one of those things in my house. I have a Samsung TV, and it's probably already
0: listening to everything I do. I think we know what it is, isn't it? Isn't that one of those TVs that does? Um, I haven't ran the zero number, so I don't know. <laughs> um, I have one. I don't know. I think they're kind of useless. I TVs? Have... Oh, I don't have one of those, actually. <laughs> but, but... No, I have an Amazon Echo. <laughs>
1: gotcha.
0: <laughs> wow, I have an Amazon
1: Echo, but no TV. That... that... Yeah, I'm not sure that your comments on, like, standard technology uses, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like but anyway, you have an Amazon Echo that you
0: use. Do you have the Dot? Yeah, the Dot, yeah.
1: Does that matter? Like, that is there...
0: There's no real difference. Real, it's just sound quality differences. Uh, some of them have screens now. Do you have the one that takes photos of you and shows you how good your fashion is? No, I, I wasn't
1: sure if that was a real product when it was announced. So actually, hearing that like it was the, like what's like Echo Show or something.
0: Yeah, so I think that's the Echo Look. Echo Look. So, yeah. Which is a
1: better name because you it looks at you, Yeah. than you showing it things. Okay.
0: It's uh, that this gets into the I think the this was the first time I saw a tech product where I fundamentally didn't understand what it was or why anyone would use it. It was just like for an audience that wasn't me, and it was Pinterest. That was the first time I was just like, what? What? I don't. I don't get this. And to this day, I don't think I really understand what Pinterest does. You pin things or something? I don't... I don't get it. It's... I feel like it fills a
1: very interesting niche of... No, I, 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 again, pure point of speculation because something like Instagram makes sense to me. Um, it's, it's kind of like a curated list of pretty things, but like, pretty composition. Pinterest is a curated list of not pretty composition, but actually pretty things. And so if okay. more focus on the items itself, that said, I saw someone search Pinterest recipes the other day to, like, figure out what to make for dinner, which is, like, an interesting use of Pinterest that I would never even imagine, even mm-hmm. though I don't imagine the base use of Pinterest. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I so, guess the end result is I have no fucking
0: clue. So when they, the Echo or the Amazon... <laughs> look came up it was kind of like it was clearly for an audience that is not me at all and I think an audience that might be really interested in this product like like there are plenty of people who put their daily outfit on Instagram all the time like like that is not a that is a a non-trivial audience right um and then Amazon's whole product category seem to be like if they can sell like 100,000 they're good so
1: I think that Amazon, more than any other company, operates like an AI. It does this, like, search and destroy learning algorithm at such, like, a crazy vertical, or it it, oper- it operates horizontally across so many categories to try and find its T-shape that it's just, like, it's incredible the way that the company operates. And not if it's entirely like Jeff Bezos just doing his thing or what. Uh,
0: apparently, Portland's pretty high on the list for the uh, Amazon headquarters too. Well,
1: we're already getting another Amazon expansion here with Elemental moving to somewhere near Didn't PSU. They
0: buy a building or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're 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 doing a pretty ex- major expansion, um, and uh, Apple's making a second campus thing. That's going to be all for tech support, and I would imagine Portland's probably pretty high on that list too. Interesting. Um, we t- traditionally Portland's had all the call centers for um, a lot of major companies. So,
1: I actually have a friend who is a uh, he's a product manager in town who is actually looking at moving down there because his girlfriend's like interviewing at Apple. Okay. Hmm. Uh, which is interesting for a support position
0: a sports position, so they would get moved someplace, probably. Well, I mean, this Unless is years away. Here. <laughs> yeah. It's years away. Who knows what will happen. Uh, they could move it to Vegas, which is where Zappos has their sport people. We lost out on that one. They were thinking about Portland, too, but...
1: Do people still use Zappos? Or are there subsidiaries I don't know about that are, like... Well, they're owned by primary. Amazon now, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, at which point, they're, like, a cultural island. But I, I don't I, know if Zappos is still, like, a active product people are using like AOL
0: I was looking at it actually the other day because I needed shoes so I'm still not convinced on the whole buying shoes online although I think the shoes I currently am wearing were bought online I'm not quite sure I bought something online they were Hmm. fine that might be these I'm not sure (laughs) so what else I'm kind of drunk now so, Should we talk about Trump? Well, there we this go. Is the I best guess this time to talk <laughs> about Trump. No. What's there to talk about? Oh, it's all horrible. The entire world.
1: Yeah, every day is a little bit closer to. Do you think we're gonna make it to midterms
0: before the world ending? Or what do you mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you mean by make it to midterms? I mean, I, I guess before the world ending is a good baseline. I mean, like... I do not think the world's going to end anytime soon. Are midterms going to be a thing with Trump? Or is this going to get wrapped up before then?
0: Oh, okay, so is, is he going to still be president by the midterms?
1: Um, If so if he steps down and somehow Pence isn't involved in anything, and somehow Pence is still in the White House, then it comes down to him?
0: I was... I was... I think at one point I was fairly convinced that something was going to come out that would force his removal from office. I'm less convinced now. Um, Why? Speak up. Speak up. Okay, so I'm I'm less convinced that he's actually going to get removed from office anytime soon. I don't think there's any smoking gun in the whole Russian investigation that's going to remove him from office. I think it might result in a report implicating the president in a variety of of illegal activities, I don't know if this if that would get him removed from office. Though, um, with that said, I'm hopeful on the midterms. Quite honestly, I think the Democrats are going to do very well. I think it's. I would Especially give. Especially with the death of gerrymandering, we'll see if that happens. I mean, it's slowly dying, but we'll see what the Supreme Court says. So, hopefully back it's reversed and the democrats do well and they take the house and maybe the senate and and really all they need to do to cause this presidency to essentially ground to an absolute halt is take the house like they can't remove him from office without the senate but even if they had the senate they would need a supermajority to to remove the president so as long as they have the house and can block whatever stupid shit's going on then 2020 I I cannot see him getting reelected when he has, you know, or an approval rating in the thirties. Right. <laughs> it, it just seems really unlikely.
1: What's the last president that was not that did not win their midterm?
0: No, losing the midterm is fairly common. Um, Obama lost his midterm. Um, I'm pretty sure Clinton lost his. That's that's not uncommon.
1: Alright.
0: Um. Not getting reelected is uncommon. And the last one would be Herbert Walker Bush. Hmm. He was a one-term candidate. Although, um, part of that was because of Ross Perot running, and he got a fair bit of the vote. So,
1: Yeah, I'm not sure there's much else to say on the Trump front.
0: It's all horrible. Has so- it been as bad as you thought it would be? been a year yes i think so
1: really? um, I, I wasn't expecting he wasn't gonna start a nuclear war um he was going to slowly chip away at a lot of they're not low-hanging fruit but just like trivial bullshit that are like micro winds to like get his face clapping like oil drilling in alaska <laughs> and shit like that that but not florida not florida <laughs> things that like really do matter in the long term but are like they're not world-ending things
0: no i think that that the number one frustration with the trump administration to me i mean i'm frustrated with basically everything but what it comes down to is the fact that i think there's much more important issues going on in the world and with humanity that we're left having to deal with travel bans instead of you know climate change we're left arguing about calling countries horrible names instead of talking about, like, how to resolve Yemen or Syria. Like, like, like we're, we're stuck on, like, really stupid shit because we have stupid people running the country. Instead of actually sitting down and being like, oh, hey, how do we have a competitive economy in the 21st century that competes with China? Instead, it's like, oh, no, we need to burn more coal. It's like, what, what is going on? Why yeah. are we dealing with this bullshit?
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, death of... Yeah, it's it's been a really frustrating aspect, like the idea of f- focusing on these trivial not not trivial. Not, I, I wish I could think of a different word for it's, that, it's but like, not
0: trivial. But it's things that it's I not thought were picture. resolved. I thought it's, yeah. it's, it's issues where I'm just kind of like, what we're, I thought we resolved this in the fifties, like like I, f- and and so that's that's all very frustrating, and it stops like places like Portland. Okay, so we have some issues we're dealing with. Like, the entire country is dealing with a homeless problem, and the government is doing—the federal government is doing nothing. Like, I I don't even really think I've heard any federal people talk about, about the issue, and it's like, you know, every major city in America has a serious homeless problem.
1: Or I, I guess maybe another aspect is, like, Jeff Sessions, which we could say a lot about, but um, Jeff Sessions removing the— the court order on like ignoring marijuana like <laughs> prosecution like it's like yeah. that's something that we moved past it's like cool we've we've advanced as a society and a country to not give a shit about this like it doesn't really matter like I I don't smoke I don't really care if people do or don't and we're done with that conversation oh wait no that needs
0: to come back Nope, we need to keep talking about that and filling prisons with drug offenders is a priority yeah they had the um the like, was it the state, the the, the guy? It's like the attorney general for the state. Not not him, but the state attorney. Like the federally appointed, like federal guy from from Oregon, talking on OPB about about that issue. And what was really weird about it is the guy came on to OPB and was like, "Hey, so I'm really concerned about production of." Marijuana in Oregon and how much is being produced and it's being—he he was like, "It's we're way overproducing the amount we could consume locally." So what's happening with that overproduction? And like people writing into the radio show were just kind of like, "How does he know that number?" And really, he's underestimating us. He is underestimating our ability to finish this stuff off. But it was just this really weird conversation where it's like he didn't talk about any of the like, how is this harming anybody? Like even right. if it's getting across state lines to Washington where it's also legal or California where it's also legal like what's the issue going on here why is this a problem and yet we're not going to talk about you know real problems like racists stabbing people
1: (laughs) or people holding federal land hostage and then oh god yeah getting off on bullshit charges
0: oh god yeah the world's horrible right now ain't no bunny like a bunny party I think we should go take over a building, Lucas. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that, that might be used against as us. As long as it's a brewery. <laughs> is there a government brewery we can take over? Is that, is that a thing? Yeah. Okay, so... What else? What else is on the agenda tonight? We could talk about how Lucas can't figure out how to use OmniFocus. <laughs> you're using notes now, and you're hating it. So... So. I hate every app I've ever used,
1: so it's at least it's uniform.
0: <laughs> says says a devel- good developer. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> why isn't it CLI? God. GUIs are for losers. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I don't
0: like that too much has been going on otherwise. Uh, it's the holidays, you know. You know what really time? pisses me off about the holidays? So so it. So, so this affects television and podcasts, interestingly enough. During the month of December, you get basically reruns of everything. And people, like, produce a minimum of stuff. And then you get into January, and you're like, oh, good, this is all going to come back. And it's kind of like, well, there's no real news to talk about, so no one bothers, like, with another podcast. And all the, like, TV shows kind of come back, like, slowly. And so, all my entertainment's, like, all messed up. Did you hear that they're doing a... They're doing
1: prequels to Game of Thrones. Why? HBO has decided, how can they squeeze more money out of the series? God. I think they're currently slated for 2022, because it apparently takes that long to actually get their shit together. Well,
0: we're, get, we're getting no new episodes of Game of Thrones this year, right? It's not until 2019?
1: Right. Yeah, they, they needed a full year to put together five episodes.
0: I mean, hey, take the time you need. I, I'm a fan of British television that... I oh. think they're taking a page out of George R. R. Martin's right. book there. But. Oh, there's a sh- show I want to talk to you about, actually. Um, have you seen, what is it, The End of the effing World? On, yes. On Netflix? Yeah. It's brilliant. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. It, is, it is. I did not know this was a show I needed in my life. <laughs> so, so I, I
1: think that, like, and this is, this is one of the things that, like, I would say something like 80% of my Netflix consumption is through the terrible app that is installed on my Samsung TV. Huh. And I wonder how much of that, like, trails over to the entire Netflix ecosystem. But whoever writes the descriptions for Netflix shows is, like, the worst human alive. And, like, it is completely unacceptable how bad, like, and goofy the descriptions are for half these shows. And i like, I look at these and i like, love a show, but the description is just so, like... And then what happens? It's, it's just awful. And that's why I did not watch End of the Effing World for a long time because the description sounded so atrocious.
0: Now, as soon as it popped up, I wanted to see it because the, uh, the lead actor is the same kid from um, an episode Black of Black Mirror that I liked. Mm-hmm. And, and um, one kind of kind of weird thing, just, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but in the, I want to say it's the first episode, it might be the second one, where they, um, things happen, I, I don't want to give too big of a spoiler, but they end up in the woods and he ends up shirtless. Did he look like a great alien to you? Like, <laughs> is that is that just how the English look when they don't have a shirt on? <laughs> is
1: that is that the accent that she has? Is, is, what, is it what Welsh or something? It's is some weird form. They're
0: supposed to be in Southern England.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not like super on my specific um, dialectal English accents. So I don't know what like Wilfordshire or something. I don't think
0: she she doesn't sound like a Northerner.
1: Um yeah, something like that. Down down there. Yeah, I mean that might be its own entire joke, is like them as the like subsect of English that they are.
0: I think there is a joke going on there that we're we're not
1: getting, yeah. But. Yeah. But it's been it's been great. Like I really enjoyed that show. Um I guess they're doing season two. I'm only halfway through, so I'm not I'm not completely sure kinda of, where this goes. No, I would be um, perfectly like, happy if they announced
0: this as this is one and only season that was quite good that'd be an english thing yeah that, um yeah i quite quite enjoyed it um it's kind of like if you took natural born killers and made a teenage english version so yeah that's no. that's a pretty accurate <laughs> summary
1: actually it's like Thelma louise but yeah I, I i think it's been delightful yeah um dark haven't seen it yet i've heard good things is it good yes it is um It harkens a, a little bit towards Stranger Things. A lot of people make comparisons to the end of Stranger <laughs> it's Things,
0: German Stranger Things, right?
1: Yeah, and that's not like a super fair comparison, but I get why. And like I, I felt that as well, where it's like a story that primarily focuses, it focuses on two groups, like the parents and the kids. Yeah. It's kind of set in the '80s. There's some weird supernatural things going on. All those together, it gets Stranger Thingsy, but it's it's a completely different show, um, and it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that like, the score is excellent. Um, I'm,
0: I found it to be pretty compelling. It's good. I've been enjoying the uh, the new Star Trek. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Way, well, they, they, they may have killed a character on the last episode that I'm not happy about, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. There's was that a surprise? Well, okay. So the, well, how how liberal are they with killing characters? fairly liberal, but um, so the one thing that I've appreciated about the new show is that they have the first openly gay couple in all of Star Trek. Actually, the first gay characters in all of Star Trek. That's that's been like one of the big blind spots as far as diversity in the Star Trek universe is there's never been a gay character until now. I mean, Kevin Kirk wasn't. Well, I don't think he had sex with human males. We don't know about anything else. He probably did. Um, and Riker probably did, too. But but they had an actual gay, interracial couple um, on the show, and they killed one of them, and it's like, no, no. <laughs> like, this is we, not... <laughs> we waited so long. You can't do this. We'll see where that storyline line goes out, because uh, the last episode I watched it, it hadn't quite resolved that whole seen yet so
1: so I wonder about that and I wonder about the writing process there where like maybe this is like kind of goes back fundamentally to why like I always thought there was so much bullshit in like English like lit classes but asking why it was that character maybe it just made sense to the story and the writer to like be like oh this person needs to die but I feel like you can be more graceful in terms of like how you're actually going to kill characters off and not like target specific like I don't mean, like, gender or, like, race or something here, but, like, targeting specific, like, storylines that are developing in interesting ways that haven't been explored previously. And maybe that's exactly why it's a candidate for, like,
0: getting the axe, but... Well, I think the the issue comes down for for minorities um, in these things getting killed off, especially in TV, is the fact that you're not going to kill off the lead character, and the lead character tends to always be, like, a cis white male. So, so you end up killing off the non-white yeah. dude. <laughs> so,
1: um... But in recent years, to be fair, we've had a long history of, okay, well, white females in shows. So,
0: not yeah. s- semi-progressive. So that's, that's kind of going in the right direction, I think. Sure.
1: But, you know, Star Trek is... I don't know if Star Trek's ever been the most progressive show. It is a
0: utopia. Traditionally, it's actually been incredibly progressive. I mean, the original series versus interracial racial kiss on TV. um, Actually, I don't know if at the time they had... Like, Uhura being a black woman that was constantly... Like, was part of the main crew, was hugely influential at the time. Um, You go into the more modern Trek... Um, still progressive, not, not quite to the same degree, but they still had episodes dealing with issues that, that were considered kind of leading edge. So traditionally, it's been considered one of the more progressive series that we probably have. This
1: um, table is so low.
0: Table's weird. So, my one critique of Culmination Brewing uh, incredibly fantastic place. Highly recommend. We're going to come back often. Table's kind of weird. Tables are a little weird. I guess we might as well end it on that note. <laughs> Tables are weird. Um, hopefully we, we hope to have a better um, podcasting um, schedule going forward. Um, today was, what, it's been a month? I don't uh, know. Something like that, yes. We'll try to be semi-weekly. Weekly. Something like that. Um, thank you for listening. If you've listened to this point, um, just want to remind you, if you get in touch with us, Everyone who listens to the show is always invited to join us for a drink. Uh, you can contact me at Boulder C on Twitter. Um, or Theoretic
1: with a K. Or GuestBeerPodcast.com. and oh, at do, Twitter. Oh, do we have we have a domain now, don't we? We have a domain. We have a domain and
0: do we have Twitter yet? Uh, we do. Sure, sure. We 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 do. We do. You should totally check that out. Assuming you nobody know took it. Okay. So